Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. Just some good old podcaster. Never meaning no harm. Okay, we got that out of our system. We're talking about moonshine today. The history might be a little sketchy, but if the scotch and bourbon episodes have taught us anything, it's that most of the great distillers didn't necessarily have the most legal starts. We can't tell you to get any white lightning, but join us as we take this back road of drinking history and have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany V. Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. Howdy, everybody. Howdy ho there, Debritos. Hey, howdy. So right. how's everybody doing on this fine evening? Had, uh, <laughs> uh, doing fine now, but, uh. You know, there's some people we know that have had some rough times. Yeah, I guess we could uh, go ahead and front load announcements. So, um, I'm sure everyone listening is well aware that uh, we hail from, well, one of us still lives there, but uh, our whole group. All hail. All hail. We all hail from southeastern Kentucky. and Golly, you don't say. Uh, Sorry particular set of counties that have been hit hard by natural disasters and it just yeah. seems like they can't catch a break like the weather it, no just won't stop <laughs> yeah so uh yeah some historic flash flooding has devastated that region and we all know people severely affected that have lost everything and just wanted to float it out there uh, if I can open this link for some charities and ways to help. And we were talking a little bit before the show. The biggest thing is cash donations. Um, yep. You know, cat, the currency of some sort um, rather than clothing or whatever. They have everyone emptied their closets in the first couple of days for them. They have enough clothes. There's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff, giving out food and making sure they've got stuff. Straight money funds, uh, straight money donated to some of these funds are 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 a really good direct way to kind of help because they can then put it towards things that they're going to need. Like right now, they need shovels. Yeah, if you own a shovel factory, that's a different situation. Yeah, yeah. Right. if you own a shovel factory and a broom factory, send those. Yeah, because we can't buy enough of those here. <laughs> and uh, so I think the only one that I'm going to shout out uh, because the others I question you know, how much of the money makes it to, you know, actual causes and whatever. But the 
Team Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund. Uh, so that's which, the one that Bashir, yeah, the governor started. The governor yeah. literally started it. Yeah. So that's one I'm comfortable. It's uh, what? Kentucky.gov is yeah. where you can find the links to it. But yeah, that's They actually it. have to go in front of the legislature and testify how all the money was spent. So Yeah, that's I feel that's the safest way yeah. to donate and uh, know that the, the funds are going. But, yeah, um, that's it. I mean, a lot of them are still getting stuff into the right stuff. So, you know, if you eventually stuff will get to them uh, in theory. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I will say about the, the flooding, My I was talking to my, my, my father about it, and he was saying how it's not uh, – People were saying, like, it's a once-in-a-century flood. He's like, no, no, there's no one in living memory that has any concept of a flood this bad. He said, this is a, like, once-in-a-thousand-year flood. Jeez. It is. It is rough. Uh, there, Someone, uh, I, I'd heard a story of someone that had uh, 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 a friend of the family that has some rental properties. One of his renters, they woke up, had to, you know, as the flood was filling their house, had, and they... Basically, the water got to neck level while they were standing up. Oh my gosh! And then it started to recede. But they were they were just sitting there, standing in their house, neck deep in water. And then, like with nothing to do, they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't do anything. So, if you want an idea of how bad some of it is back there in certain counties, that's how bad it was. And the flooding is the the beginning. The ruining of everything is the the long lasting problem. Right. Yeah, it's, it's it, the, you're to rebuild do? houses essentially. Yeah, everything down to the foundations is just destroyed, and it, I won't say names. Uh, someone that at least two of us know that lost everything. Her entire family lost everything, and um, was it the story? It's it's out there in print because they did an interview about it, but. She was at work and at, uh, I won't say where, but uh, she was at work and their back parking lot started to flood. And that's when they were like, oh, this is a problem. And suddenly they could, like everyone working, just lost their cars. Like they all got yeah. flooded out. Like they were gone. And then she gets the call from home saying in a panic saying, we're flooding. So her husband and kids... And grandmother and mother are also, like, by the time they knew the water was rising, it was too late. It was already under the house, and they had, you know, minutes. Yeah. As late as um, three days post-flood, Ashley had 31 coworkers still missing. Oh, my, oh my gosh. God. So, but she works, you know, in, in the middle of that area, so it kind of. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Uh, there was just more there. I think There's, that number's dropped to like below ten now, but still, uh, ten is too many. But yeah, uh, this is this is <laughs> devastating entire region. So if, yeah, but uh, we're coming up on uh, I guess fundraising season, and we're we're just gonna go ahead and throw it out there now for our little corner of the world is really hurting and can use the help. Yeah. But uh, that aside. But we're, we're going to go ahead and get back to uh, talking about ourselves a little in the beginning of episodes. I know that's kind of where you were going to start with, but my brain just went, yeah, let's just get this done with. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, uh, 
everyone, how's everyone's week been? Let's go around around the room. <laughs> um, in our household, uh, I'm working almost twelve hours a day, so not not much time for anything else. Yeah, um, I have been utterly obsessed with drawing and started a store on Redbubble. Um, nice. Ooh. And I know you've been putting up some of the stuff. I didn't realize there was a store involved because I don't pay enough attention to think through the world around me. <laughs> no, that's fair. Uh, no, it literally just happened. Um, like oh, okay. Friday. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I've been following a lot of tutorials and, and, and making characters and yeah. So, uh, and then beyond that, like just the normal, hey, we have a toddler stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the things that go along with that, you know. Which, okay, that's one thing I guess I could say. He, he is finally showing signs of being my child, and it's not <laughs> in the best way. So, when I was in preschool, I was known to, well, <laughs> when my parents come to pick me up, Suddenly, I had new toys. I mean, brand new toys. <laughs> Look, I can't even. I can't tell you what happened because again, I was in preschool. But somehow, I had convinced them to take me to the store and buy me a new toy. <laughs> and so my dad's like, "No idea." And so I can see that Emmett, whether or not I was charming them or whatever, Emmett has figured out how to effing play he knows what's up the caregivers at his daycare because i pull up and one of them is leaving comes out and is like oh emmett's not feeling good he's he's laying down in the back uh holding his holding his stomach saying my tummy hurts and he had had to poop that morning so i was immediately just like did he poop <laughs> like it's probably what's going on here She's like, no, he's laying in the back of the room. She's like, I was just sitting there with him for like the last hour, just stroking him and rubbing his tummy. And I get in there. He's sitting in the front of the room watching TV with all the other kids and just leaps up, Dad! <laughs> and I was, I was just immediately like, he was just playing her for everything for the attention. Yeah. Children are tiny sociopaths. Yep. Can we teach them better? <laughs> and then they get... In their 50s and 60s and become sociopaths again. Yeah. True. <laughs> Look, life is a bookend of, of antisocial, uh, psychopathic behavior. You go, the world's about you and you're shitting in diapers and then, you know, then you grow up a little and then you get too old and you start shitting in diapers again and, diapers. and the world just come, becomes all about you again. It's a circle of life. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> uh, Casey, how you been? Oh, busy. Real busy. I've been needing to order grain for two weeks now, and I can't get around to making up the recipes for this quarter coming up. Oh. So I am I am behind on that one. So, uh, I don't know. I've got a 22,000-pound container of cider juice coming in next week and that's about all i got on order oh and two thousand pounds of sugar from walmart <laughs> yeah you that did was great. <laughs> uh they did not even bat an eye but you know what tomorrow we're getting I, I think at this point multiple pallets because i went back in the store and looked they're only like as deep as the shelf is 
feel like today's episode is the reason why no one bats an eye about this. I think so. Because, yeah, we were That's a segue and a half. Like, we... <laughs> personally discussing this, and I was just like, I have personally seen people back a pickup truck into that, that particular Walmart and load the entire bed of it up with sugar and fruit. Mm-hmm. Everyone knowing damn well what they were going to do with it. <laughs> Want to go cannon? There's yeah. a making jelly. Yeah, making jam. This jelly don't turn into shine like that. No. Uh, yeah, uh, we uh, and we've got a a brand that uses a lot of sugar in it, and so um, I was tired of going every single time we had to make it. Because it's still like hotcakes, and so every single time we have to make it, I have to go to Walmart, and then I have to go get a reimbursement. I was like, guys, let's just order a whole pallet of this stuff and never worry about it again. And also, we had been buying it in four-pound bags, and if you're using, you know, 100 pounds of sugar in four-pound bags, that's a lot of opening. (laughs) So I finally was able to find 25-pound bags and could go that route. Going to reduce some of that effort on brew day. For sure. For uh, sure. So, uh, Casey, are you getting on those uh, those loggers? You got a you got some fest yeah. beers that need to be fermenting. Oh my goodness, we've got uh, Oktoberfest is going into secondary. If it's not already, yeah, it did. It did yesterday. Went into secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, right we've been doing already. light loggers out the wazoo. Like I just can't keep up. I'm brewing a lager every two weeks right now, and it takes six weeks. So really, I can brew like and get a beer out every. One beer every two weeks, really. It's a billion degrees out. Yeah. You know, when it's not raining, it's, it's you know, a thousand degrees in the shade. This is the time for light loggers. And 100% sure. humidity. If I had more, well, I just bought um, from... You don't uh, walk through the air back home, you swim it. <laughs> uh, from... Especially... Sorry. Uh, no, I was, I, was, I was about to make a dumb joke and then realized how it actually sounded. It's like... In fairness, it's a it's a bit bad to say it's so humid you're swimming in it when we've had historic flooding. Yeah, I, I, I realized <laughs> I after it came out, I was like, well, I'm killing it today. <laughs> um, but we bought some new product or new uh, equipment from uh, Rock House down there in Lexington. Oh, bought a giant walk-in cooler and uh, a seven-barrel Bright Tank. Oh. And so that should give us a little bit more leeway. I should be able to make loggers now and let them age in there to free up some tank space. As long as to... you keep your cot space in that walk-in, so you sleep it yeah. in the walk-in. No kidding, that'd be nice. <laughs> um, Casey, those sheets would be so chilly. Oh, <laughs> my sheets are chilly, Bob. <laughs> I want chilly uh, sheets. That was our... Uh, that that was the surefire way for us to tell each other to to, you know, suck it in 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 the dorm room because I slept right next to the AC unit, and I would just drape my blankets and sheets over the <laughs> over the thing to cool it down. I was like, why is it getting hot in here? My sheets are sure chilly. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> but for sure, definitely getting busy and. October se- Oktoberfest season's right around the corner. Surprised I've not seen a Oktoberfest out already. It's I'm sure, awesome. it's, I'm sure there are some out. I haven't. Sam Adams Oktoberfest is already out. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the variety pack isn't. I saw, but yeah. uh, and then the the Rhine Geist Franz is out. 
freaking everywhere. Up um, the local breweries are starting to crank out all their Oktoberfests and pumpkin beers. But uh, another point, I guess, for news to say, uh, anyone wanting to come to Oktoberfest Zinzinati, uh, they have actually decided to merge the running of the wieners into officially part of the festival. Okay, so that's good. So good. It, I, I, I keep missing it because I keep moving it further away. When when Oktoberfest becomes like a whole month, it's gonna be yeah. <laughs> I, time like I, it should have been yeah. from the beginning. Well, I wonder about those plans. But pre-COVID, that was the plan. They were like, "No, we're gonna try and extend this, you know, the Cincinnati Fest to be the whole week." And now they're condensing it more. But so, running the Wieners will take place that Friday at noon. So it'll be actually part of Oktoberfest rather than Good you know this watch. kind of weird day early event i get to watch them wiener dogs run this year then yes all right well i think it's time to uh get into the topic speaking of running wieners (laughs) if we were drinking to style today we would already be that drunk i think one of us is (laughs) True. Well, I'm saying true, true style, not <laughs> not commercially available. Like I said, I think one of us. I think is. one of us is. <laughs> we all. Uh, nothing puts nothing puts hair on your chests and singes the nostril hair, quite like uh, quite like some uh, some shine. So. Also known as. Also known as white lightning, donk, hooch, Johnny Barleycorn. Tons of water, ruckus juice, crazy man in a bottle, Mountain Dew, Panther piss. <laughs> I love the last one. <laughs> I like Panther piss, and honestly, uh, ruckus juice is my ruckus be my, juice. Ruckus juice might be my new favorite <laughs> euphemism. However, jo- uh, I hear John Barleycorn, and all I can think of is engine meal shorts. Spunk uh, water, yeah. spunk water, swallow these words. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, unregulated liquor has gone by many colorful names around the world, uh, but today's episode is going to be a focusing on the American classic, Moonshine. Moonshine. <laughs> Sorry, that feels like it should be like a, a special, like, like Moonshine! Moonshine. <laughs> As like a, a little a jingle stinger thing. In the... Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like Transformers, like, or like He-Man, like, He-Man, Moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> I need that now. Um, Moonshine. That's who says that's not going to happen after this episode now. Thanks You're just going to cut that out at some point. Just be like, all right, just start using this at point. Like Moonshine. Throw the echo on it. Like a oh, we should do the the thing like from uh, Big City Greens. What one? The, the, Big the City Greens. Grout. Huh? The grout. Oh yeah, the grout. <laughs> well, no, that's just. Oh yeah, she dubs down the voice. Throat. Anyway. All right, well, for early American settlers, moonshine was the easiest way to avoid waste and increase the value for their crops. Uh, in fact, you could say moonshine was uh, is more American than apple pie. Uh, apple pie moonshine. I mean, yeah. Uh, and also, early America, drunk as hell. Had to I mean, be. We, we, we talked about that uh, in the, the Prohibition episode many moons ago. Yeah. Uh, so it's to be said, actually. this, as many of our episodes now, just kind of touch, just 
like it's like skipping a stone across our podcasting history. Every new episode is just bouncing off of previous episodes, hitting these points. So if you've kept up with all of them, you're going, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. I remember. Remember, remember when we when? did Moon? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, we're leave off. Uh, early American settlers, particularly those in grain-producing states, distilled excess grain uh, as a means of reducing waste as well as increasing their profits. It didn't take long for early pioneers to realize that whiskey was much more valuable than the corn uh, it was made with. Corn don't get you drunk without without that, all that extra work. <laughs> uh, moonshine became an important part of early American life. In fact, moonshine was even a form of currency at one point. Just last week, we were uh, last time we were discussing uh, 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 rum being used as currency in Australia. It seems to be a nice colonial mm. thing to do, I guess. Yeah, and that exact <laughs> you know it's good alcohol. Yeah, you know, that, that exact drink is uh, getting ready to come up. Uh, as the American Revolutionary War uh, was set uh, to change the future for the United States, it also caused charges, uh, changes in the consumption of spirits in the future uh, in the future U.S. The Revolutionary War interrupted rum distribution, uh, and beer spoiled more easily than spirits, and was difficult to transport. All these factors led to the increase in whiskey consumption. A newly formed federal government imposed a whiskey tax. The whiskey tax became law in nineteen, sorry, in 1791, uh, as a way to recoup, uh, as a way of recuperating costs of the war. Uh, the first, uh, this was the first tax imposed as a, on a domestic product. While the tax is applied to all domestic spirits, uh, the with the increase on the consumption of whiskey became uh, known as the whiskey tax. Talk a little bit about the whiskey rebellion that resulted from that. Because farmers of the Western Frontier, and by West we mean like Kentucky. <laughs> uh, if you would like to know more about the Whiskey Rebellion, you can check out our episode on alcohol rebellions. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, farmers in the Western Frontier had spent many years distilling their excess grain for either profit or uh, trade uh, resisted to the tax. In the early stages of the rebellion, farmers used intimidation and violence to evade the tax. <laughs> Tensions came to a head in July uh, 1794 uh, uh, when a U.S. marshal was sent into western Pennsylvania in order to serve writs to distillers who had not paid their owed tax. Like the crackers? Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. what I immediately that hit my head, and I was like, no, it's not right. Hold on. <laughs> uh, as the news spread, more than 500 armed men attacked the home of uh, Inspector General John Neville. President George Washington responded by both sending peace uh, peace commissioners to negotiate with the rebels, as well as a militia force to ensue uh, in, sorry to enforce the tax. Uh, the rebels uh, all went home well before the thirteen thousand militia arrived and the confrontation was avoided. Uh, this also, I believe, was the only time a sitting president uh, directly led troops because Washington went screw it. All right, everyone, roll out. <laughs> and it wasn't just this threat like it wasn't this oh that they you know they they marched on his home for like no reason and then oh this was a gross overreaction by the president it's like no they had tarred and feathered and like they had actually killed a few tax collectors yeah like it, it wasn't there was a body count previous to this and so this was like the straw that broke the camel's back well, the whiskey tax remained difficult to collect and was repealed by the early 1800s during Jefferson administration. 
because uh, Jefferson loved two things, cutting taxes and spending more than he took in in taxes. <laughs> Burn down the Navy. Oops, going to get into a war and have to rebuild that whole Navy. Uh, during the Civil War, the American government once again imposed taxes on its citizens to fund the war. Uh, revenuers and IRS officials cracked down harshly on moonshiners, leading to many violent conflicts uh, throughout the country. During the Whiskey Rebellion, moonshiners were portrayed as heroes standing against the oppressive government. After the Civil War, that attitude shifted. Many now saw moonshiners as violent criminals. Which is kind of the transition into another period in history that we've spoken immensely about. Uh, so, moonshine production later took hold in big cities. In Brooklyn, the waterfront neighborhood known today as Vinegar Hill was a hotbed of illegal whiskey making. In 1869, law enforcement went hard and fast against the Irish immigrants who'd set up hidden distilleries there and refused to pay government taxes on their product. Sorry, I'm a child laughing that in 1969 they went hard and fast. 1869. 1869, whatever. Not uh, the important part of my joke. I still think that kind of throws me back uh, to uh, one of the things Floyd would always tell us. Uh, If you check the historical records for back home, the region, the first, what was it? It was like the the first things built by the settlers when they got into eastern Kentucky. Uh, Before anything else, they had a still. Like they had a legal still in and then a school. So they were they could make alcohol and then we'd worry about education. Priorities. You gotta you gotta have a way to make the money first. You gotta have something to help the teacher get through the day. Yep. Before you get them into that school. You gotta have something to help uh you gotta have something to put those apples in. Anyway, uh, a <laughs> apple for the teacher. <laughs> goes hmm. in the barrel. Fermentation. Uh, in a pre-dawn raid, they hacked up stills, confiscated whiskey, and hauled it back to the nearby Brooklyn Navy Yard. Of course, this didn't stop people from making booze. By the early 1900s, more moonshine was produced in New York City than all of the South combined. New York City? Like, literally, though, because, like... Huh. But that's something... Yeah. <laughs> thinking about the era we're getting ready to cross into with this, it was like, yeah, they were, like... Uh, it's kind of mind-boggling that I never thought of how much they were producing up there. You always think of, you know, oh, the southern states, that's where it was going on. It's like, no, I mean, you can do this in an urban setting as well. <laughs> you can. Uh, and it's a lot... Don't have to drive quite as far. Yeah. <laughs> However, it's it lasts in the southern area because, you know, you don't go into some weird warehouse or something where they can smell it. You go... Miles off the beaten path. Yep. Uh, During Prohibition, a one-day sweep in Chicago in June 1925 resulted in 50 raids, 320 arrests, and 10,000 gallons of seized liquor. According to the Chicago Daily Tribune, the Jenna crime family had brought laborers from Italy to distill moonshine. Meanwhile, Prohibition agents in Los Angeles uh, found inside a five-room ranch house a 250-gallon still (laughs) and 800 gallons of mash, the soupy fermented grain that's used to make... Yeah, we know what mash is. Uh, A story... (laughs) We reference it a lot. A story in the New York Times reported moonshine being made in San Francisco, Oregon, and Washington State. Just, uh, you know, wasn't just the South. 
you may think of moonshining as more of a man's world. And these are stories I was not particularly aware of. Uh, but women were also making hooch. One of these women was Nancy the Moonshiner. She realize could... Nancy, Re- Nancy Reagan said just say no, except to moonshine. <laughs> and some other things, but that's a different episode of a different kind of show. I feel like this Nancy could have had a better moniker. Nancy the Moonshiner. You're like, come on. Someone in the that's, newspaper. That's not an or- yeah, it's unoriginal. Yeah. Shine Maiden. Oh, see. Justin's already already teeing him up. Uh, in, the, in the 1880s, people in Warren County, New Jersey, that's probably why it was Jersey, uh, regarded her as an eccentric. What she really was, though, was a moneymaker and a hard, hard-scrabble businesswoman. At night, she stole apples from an orchard near her home. She used them to make Jersey Lightning or Applejack, a distilled hard cider. Applejack is one of the other names. Like, that's one of the other. Like, I was like, I haven't heard someone call Moonshine Applejack in a long time. Applejack's some rough stuff. Uh, I would, uh, Moonshine and versus Applejack, well, I would almost feel different like. things, but. Yeah, well, Moonshine's going to be, could be anything really. But yeah. what we think about most is grain-based, whereas the Applejack is almost brandy-like. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Do love the fact, though, that the so one had, uh, had. Uh, uh, bottom lines to think about. Don't even buy the apples. Steal them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when a government detective snuck into her hillside home near Pequest River in hopes of apprehending her, Nancy knocked him out and took off running. She got away. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's... Octothinks. You know, I, they were saying, like, they're like, oh, they're hardened criminals. This woman's a hero. <laughs> I to think she hit him with a sack of apples. <laughs> that could hurt. <laughs> Steals from the orchard, shines to the rest. But uh, nearly four decades later, in LaGrange Park, Illinois, a Polish immigrant named Mary Wozniak made, made and served moonshine out of her home, selling it to customers for 15 cents a shot. Nice. When a man stumbled home at the end of the night, then fell into a bog and died. Wozniak was arrested. <laughs> when I heard it before I saw how it was spelled, I was like, that, that's Steve Wozniak? Is that, no. No. Played it to Steve Wozniak? But different spelling. Press called her Moonshine Mary. She was the first woman to be convicted in Illinois for selling poisoned liquor. When really, she just needed to set a hard limit. <laughs> and know when to, to be like, nope, that's... It's so many... Like you can... 15 cents a shot, you can spend up to a dollar, then you got to get the hell out. <laughs> that's still... It's a lot. Yeah, now that I think about it. Okay, 50 cents, that's where... <laughs> uh, she had to make a living, come on. Women were hauling moonshine, too. In Franklin County, Virginia, Willie Carter Sharp was one of the most well-known whiskey trippers between... And this is the first time I've ever heard whiskey tripper. Between 1927 and 1931, she transported by car from distiller to customer nearly 145,000 gallons of whiskey. During her testimony at the Moonshine Conspiracy Trial in 1935, she intrigued spectators with her diamond-studded teeth. (laughs) That is uh, a grill right there. Setting 
setting herself up as an OG <laughs> well in advance of uh, the grill trend. She's just like, nah, dog. <laughs> oh, she'd been arrested more than a dozen times in violation of the National Prohibition Act and did time at Alderson, the women's prison where Martha Stewart would be sentenced some 70 years later. <laughs> That's great. So now you want to make sure your your moonshine is in the right thing. You need to make sure that it. Sorry, I'm just thinking of like the Martha Stewart like how to. Yeah. Moonshine. Just don't oh. don't let anyone say that you know your gender has to pigeonhole you into what you can and can't do. You Generally. too could have a diamond grill. Picturing that right now, like that's like the you can't take it with you, and it's like, well, I mean. She's buried with those teeth, so... Diamond teeth. Seems like a waste, though. I feel like instead of diamond teeth, you could spend the same amount of money and make a large statue that just screams out, Remember me. And belches fire. Belches fire. Uh, Visible from space. Well, now for seemingly something completely different. I don't know anything about this still. Uh, NASCAR. We saw that one coming. Um, unless apparently you've watched the History Channel, um, when it yeah, was I was gonna say history. like yeah, that's exactly it. like it's a key part of yeah, of current programming. When you we watched were... History Channel before, it was just alien. <laughs> well, when we were growing up, it would bleed into like the fact would come up in other things. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. But now they have like five shows about moonshining. Mm. Uh, whiskey trippers knew how to handle an automobile like no one else. In their off time, many of them took to racing each other. Lloyd, uh, what do I say, Say or C? How do you spell that? Or how do you say that? Uh, say. I'm going to go with that. Was one of those drivers, a rising star in stock car auto racing. But his career was cut short in 1941 when he was shot dead by his cousin in a dispute over moonshine. Anyone else just get oh. Robert Duvall in their head when you hear stock car <laughs> from Days of Thunder? <laughs> yeah. Ain't nothing stock about stock cars. So I've, now I hear is rubbing his racing. Yeah, rubbing's racing. Uh, after Say's death, another one of his cousins, Georgia moonshiner Raymond Parks, gave seed money to NASCAR founder Bill France to help him get his sporting organization off the ground. His mechanic, Louis Jerome uh, Red Vote, or Voigt, sorry, uh, was at France's Daytona Beach planning meeting in 1947, where he suggested the NASCAR name, National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing. Voigt serviced NASCAR vehicles for years and customized engines for whiskey trippers based on road conditions of their most traveled routes. Perhaps NASCAR's most well-known link to moonshining, though, is Junior Johnson. He got his start in the whiskey business when it was when he was 14 years old, hauling his dad's moonshine from the family home in North Carolina to customers throughout the region and outrunning the revenue agents who gave chase. Johnson's Just a good old boy. <laughs> yeah, the original. Uh, Johnson's skill behind the wheel was translated to success at the racetrack. Early in his NASCAR career, he won big at the Altamont uh, Schenectady? Schenectady. Schenectady, okay. Fairgrounds. Um, in upstate New York. Uh, afterward, he drove straight home to Wilkes County, where he was arrested the next morning for firing up his father's stills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he served 11 months in federal prison. 
When he got out, he went back to the two things he knew best, racing and moonshining. <laughs> Ronald Reagan pardoned Johnson for his moonshining conviction in 1986. And in 2010, <laughs> the racing legend was among the inaugural class of inductees to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And you didn't think the Reagans were going to actually pop up in this. <laughs> I don't even you know, know anyone. I made a Nancy Reagan joke, <laughs> and I just... I, ha- I have a superpower in just to... to Predict the text of this of of the script without having read it. Hive mind. Yeah. Mm. Uh, some important term differentiation: moonshiners make the product, bootleggers transport the product by ground, and rum runners move product by sea. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, uh, bootleg by la- like you know that's that's how you know, you, uh, uh, one if by land uh, tooth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Bootleg by land, rum runner by sea. sea. You got to hang out the. <laughs> exactly. That that needs to be a recreation right there. Uh, would you? Are you just so? This the revenuers are coming. <laughs> the revenuers are coming. <laughs> Somebody has to have done that. That probably was more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you might recall seeing pop culture references that depict moonshine in a jug marked XXX. That's because, in typical DIY style... They were hiding porn in those jokes. Right. Uh, these X's once indicated how many times a batch of moonshine had been run through the still. Before modern distilling techniques and equipment were created, moonshiners had to conduct three runs to get a higher, purer alcohol content, usually well above 80% ABV. That's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the shiners I believe in. By the time a batch was really finished, it ended up in a jug marked with a triple X. Early moonshine may have been distilled illegally, but that doesn't mean early distillers didn't care about the product they were making. There was a lot of pride in operations that could be, that could yeah, that could put forth a quality spirit for their communities. See, I thought it was always thought it was the opposite growing up. This was my today I learned this episode mm. i was just like oh yeah because it's playing off that whole you know they were putting rubbing alcohol into it and all these <laughs> like, other things whatever just start in there the triple x was just like a warning like no you shouldn't be drinking this and it's like no actually that was a mark of quality yeah. now that said as we learned from like the the prohibition episodes and whatnot there are some people who will look at it and go you know give that thing a kick oh yeah Put a little hit of cyanide in there <laughs> perk them right up a little cocaine in there. Uh, uh, well, um, so Piedmont... You know what shines? Shiny metal. You know how you get shiny metal? Get some turpentine, take that paint <laughs> off. God. That's why we call it shine. Oh. It is not, in fact, why we call it shine. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, this definitely, those people definitely existed. Um, Piedmont Distillers, located in Madison, North Carolina, holds the title of being the first legal moonshine operation in the United States and their state's first legal distillery since Prohibition. In addition to being a part of Moonshine's history itself, Piedmont's entire business celebrates the unique story of Moonshine. Using recipes passed down from legendary Moonshiner and NASCAR Hall of Famer Junior Johnson, their Midnight Moon Moonshine is triple distilled, remember the three X's, and special batches are infused with real fruit, from watermelon and strawberry to raspberry and peach. Since 2005, more legal moonshine operations have popped up around the U.S., including the likes of Sugarlands in Tennessee and Call Family Distillers, which is also based in North Carolina. 
But I have to say, that's where so the things are made. Apparently, Sugarlands tries to take all the credit. They're basically like, "No, we invented that." I feel like everything in Tennessee tries to take credit for everything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do. Tennessee is the worst. I'm sorry, people from Tennessee, but you know, no, you no, did. They, they are the worst. They try to they're, take they they co-opt everything from like Kentucky and the Virginias. They're just like, no, Hatfield McCoys, that's ours. It's like how the f. <laughs> Kentucky's like, shut up. Have you forgotten about Ohio, though? Okay. They're also the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but not, on like a ranking scale, I feel like t- it's like Tennessee <laughs> and then Ohio. I mean, okay, we can we can start doing our tier rankings for, for Which places one has that are in fact the worst. Mountain. I don't know who. We could put both Ohio and Tennessee in S tier. <laughs> Doesn't Tennessee have a Confederate Mount Rushmore? So I think that marks them in being the worst. <laughs> You you win. You are that the Tennessee douchiest. or is that Georgia? I mean, we all know Pro- Georgia's Georgia's the worst. But it, look, we just got to resurrect Another Sherman. S-tier. We got to resurrect yeah. Sherman. He'll just burn that bitch to the ground again. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, now that we're we've been alienating people for for at least a nice chunk of the show, uh, I want to try the Midnight Moon. I will say, I'm not big on wanting to try like not actual moonshine, but it's like, this is like a legendary recipe from history. I'm like, I want to try that. I do also want to point out that Junior Johnson is a very bad name. (laughs) I mean, what, what other name would you expect of someone who has his credentials? Of the time though, it was probably pretty, pretty standard, I guess. It's a man's name. I'm just saying, you don't want to introduce yourself to a lady and call yourself Junior Johnson. It's so cute. That's, I, yeah, I picture this things man. Things you don't want to hear. But well, even with that name, I picture him as the caricature from uh, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law of their whoever it was that's their uh, evil Knievel ripoff. Oh. <laughs> that is basically what I picture Junior Johnson as. Just. Fat and a and like a red, white, and blue star and stripe. Yeah, uh, uh, like a yeah. motorcycle always comes out of nowhere. So only in his case, it'd be a stock car, and then just some like <laughs> trailer trash older woman like fly. No matter where he is, if he sits down, she just like flies onto his lap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. I haven't thought about that episode in a long time. And there's just like random pills stuck in his multiple chins. He's just like chewing them up. <laughs> So you want to talk about how it's made a little bit? I, I just have the how it's made thing start playing in my mind when you say that. <laughs> we, we that's need, what I would love. Brittany, I need, we need some new video, and it's just uh, uh, some kind of gear spinning around yeah. in a very soothing fashion. I don't know how it applies to what we're doing, but it is... I think hmm. I, we've discussed it several times, but in college, my our afternoons were always uh, how it's King made. of the Hill, How It's Made, and Scrubs. Yeah, mm. yeah. That, that was our days. afternoon. That's that's some quality programming right there. That was when we got out of class, afternoon classes, a little early, and had time to kill before dinner. So I was like, "Yep." <laughs> How it's made is just visual ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> it, very. I, I mean, just watch these things spin for hours. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> ha- I and have. That was like like middle of the day. Like, oh, how it's made's on. <laughs> Bob, they have haven't a, eaten in days. What? <laughs> when am I? 
Uh, they have a YouTube channel, which you can go watch the old episodes, and it's it's a good one to get in the rabbit hole on. Oh, oh God, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like Brittany's answer is God, no. Mine is God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to put that on for the kids. They like shiny objects. <laughs> I can still I can I can close my eyes and still see glass blowing. I was gonna say, oh. so does Bob. <laughs> Bob was never seen or heard from again. Anyway, how how do we make? So let's talk about the ingredients and process. So moonshine really doesn't matter. On, I mean, you can make any liquor, and it would technically be moonshine because it's not as much the recipe as it is the process. The fact that you're not paying taxes on on the liquor yeah so that's why i don't think legal moonshine exists <laughs> because it's not exa- moonshine if you have to pay the tax yeah by definition right. it can't exist it is unaged white liquor in that yeah. situation now as a moonshine maker typically you are more concerned with making liquor cheap than you are with making it good or at least that's been the the tradition um there are certain folks that will definitely pride themselves on saying oh i've got the cleanest or whatever but they're not out here triple distilling it usually it's a one run and done type of thing when you're running it in um, in a large still um so what you usually get is high percentage of sugar uh pure sugar whenever i bought that sugar yesterday it was 56 cents a pound at walmart so 56 cents a pound for pure sugar is probably the best deal you're going to get. Um, when you're looking at adding flavor to it, a lot of people will add in corn just as a flavoring ingredient. So they're not necessarily using it as sugar in many of these cases. They're just adding a little flavor and getting the flavor of the corn in there. You want that corn sweetness. Not yep. that, uh, yeah, not just pure sugar. You want like a little little something else in there. Yeah, a little kick of flavor from the corn. So it rounds it out a little bit. That's if you're doing straight corn corn liquor. There's a bunch of different recipes out of there. And the biggest thing is they're going to all push the liquor content or the alcohol content by adding sugar to make up the difference. Um, so if you do use a grain like corn, it's not malted. It's not been pre-cooked typically. You have to do something with it to unlock a little bit of that sugar if you're going to. And that's where you do what's called a cereal mash. And so a cereal mash is maybe the initial part that most people think of when they think of cooking up a mash. And it's where you would take your still and you would dump in um, all your a lot of your water. And that water is going to cook many times it's going to be cornmeal or it could be uh, what I've seen and heard of is a product called sweet feed and that's um, corn, but it's also got some other, other things that are in there. It's mainly meant to feed livestock or feed deer, Mm -hmm. um, but it's got molasses on the outside. So you're getting sugar and flavor and a lot of these other or other components in addition to the corn flavor that's going to be in there. But either way, you want to cook it and there's no enzymes to worry about. So you could cook it at boiling for 212 degrees. The biggest problem that you got to worry about is scorching. So a lot of these stills are set up so that they're propane burners or wood burners on the bottom. It's a very hard and hot fire to control. Um, so you've got to worry about scorching on that bottom of a thin, um, thin mash cooker. And so that means you've got to be constantly stirring it while you cook that corn. Well, propane is a nice clean burning fuel that will, <laughs> that is very easy to work with. It's I tell also, you what. 
also harder to get caught with propane because you're not going to see the smoke plumes that you get with true fire and or with a wood fire and so by using propane there's no smoke and there's it's harder for you to get caught when you're using it the thing i love about the idea of like moonshining in appalachia is uh why are you doing like why are you doing it here a lot of tree cover it's very easy to you know make moonshine grow weed hide ginseng yeah one of those is not like the other but i was gonna say uh, two of those things go hand in hand nowadays. If you're doing one, odds are very strong you're doing the other. So when you get that corn mash mixed up, you can let it cool down or you can add back in some additional water to get that temperature down. You want to get it down to uh, uh, under 100 degrees probably before you add in your yeast. Um, your yeast can be just about anything. You're using such simple sugar that just about any yeast will break that sugar down. You're not having to to break down really complex maltose, maltotriose, anything like that. Um, the starches are, are already converted because you're using pure sugar. Um, so bread yeast will work. There's distiller's yeasts out there um, that can kind of generate a specific flavor profile from that yeast. Casey, uh, have you seen the Modern Rogue episode where they, they, they do the two methods of trying to make Pruno? I oh, think I've God. seen one Pruno episode. Is this a different one? No, they did two different things in, in one. Like one of them was like they try like do like doing it the way they have it like for their using uh uh Charlotte? uh not turlets, but they are Turlet. like uh, 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 using like ketchup and oranges. They're like oh, macerating. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I remember that one. And then their their follow up was like a thing of Sunny D and some like brewer's yeast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not even brewer's yeast. It was like bread yeast. Bread yeast. Because yeah, they tried that's... the one which is like, well, this is the really the from scratch, and then there was that. No, this is the one where they take shortcuts and what they actually do. Yeah, and that's the one they drank because the other one is like they looked at it was like I'll die. <laughs> they, they decided something to, will kill me from this. And didn't they like just leave it in the warehouse and forget about it and then find it months later and they're like, no, oh god. no, they kept using it, but they they did it was like about a month and they would like have to, they have to come in there and burp it. <laughs> burp the oh bag. yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. Yeah. So like when when you said like bread yeast, it's like that's right. Yeah, in, in a pinch, you're just like I don't care. Just make the sugar. Yeah. Make, <laughs> Ferment the sugar. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the the kickoff, like, alcohol content is for bread yeast, but it's not great. Like, you're not going to get 20% ABV off bread yeast. Like, it's not built to go up that high. So that's How where these... That <laughs> that's where these distillers yeasts have really come along and been like, okay, our yeast can tolerate ABVs up to 20% before they die or, or get sluggish. They can also tolerate high temperatures, which is a good thing when you're making moonshine, because if you go into the process, you don't want to sit around for two weeks while this thing ferments out. You want it to be done quick so you can get that product out of there you're going to be most vulnerable when you're making this stuff, not necessarily while um, the equipment's sitting there, but when you're actually in the process of making it, that's when they can really get you. And so there's some yeasts out there called turbo yeasts that are 48 hours. And a lot of home craft distillers are using those 48 hour turbo yeasts. You ferment it at, at you know, 100, 100 degrees or 90 degrees, and you're going to get that fermentation out really quick and you can go really high with, 
with a lot of sugar in there to create a high alcohol volume. The yeast that's been in American Gladiators. <laughs> so I feel like <laughs> turbo was, nitro yeast. It was was it a couple years ago? Maybe a few years ago. There was like a huge scandal that hit craft brewing about a lot of popular craft brewers using this turbo yeast, and everyone's like, no, it's a shortcut, and you're making an inferior product. So I am not opposed. We use turbo yeast. We don't use it on our beers. We use it on another specialty product that we make. Um, but I am not opposed to the turbo yeast because, and here's the key. This is actually the next the next big component in it. It adds nutrients, and that's where you're going to get a big push. So... Pure sugar fermentations don't have enough nutrients to provide the yeast, the nutrient byproducts that they need to stay healthy. And so they kick off and die early. Um, You're adding turbo yeast, which is actually packaged in the yeast with its own nutrient package. And so you toss one of those in, one two kilo package will be enough for 100 gallons, and you can get the nutrients and the yeast in the right concentrations all inside of that one pack. So it's a really neat product in the fact that they are adding nutrients that you're going to need already in it. The 16-year-old in me snickering going, nutrient package. Uh, for those that want to use your standard, want to use maybe another yeast type, maybe they want to use beer yeasts or wine yeasts or something like that, that's perfectly fine. You just have to know that you're going to be needing to add some nutrient into it. And so a lot of times that involves adding dead yeast cells back into it because the dead yeast actually throw back some of their zinc and some of the nutrients that are there that the uh, new yeast need to, to thrive on. Um, but also... Uh, a form of ammonia, basically. It's not just straight ammonia. It's DAP, diammonium phosphate, that um, is a nutrient that that is used to to basically create um, the uh, just help the yeast along. Now you can get some of these nutrients out of another product that's highly um, available, and that is tomato paste. And so what you see a lot of home distillers now using is something called a a tomato paste wash. And that is going to be using your pure sugar, but then you're adding some tomato paste in it to add nutrients back in. So if you're not near somewhere where you can get specialty ingredients, you can always go and use the tomato tomato paste method to add nutrients back into your wash. That's – okay, tomato is a notorious – substance that uh you cannot get that funk out of anything it stains <laughs> everything like that like visibly stain like it'll stain everything red and you can't change that flavor how in the world are you not at that point as, as britney's favorite complaint for oktoberfest style beers <laughs> making campbell's, campbell's tomato soup, soup. So it's not a lot of tomato paste that you would use. Um, typically, when you're brewing up, if you were to brew up a five-gallon batch, per se, of wash, you may use a couple tablespoons of tomato paste. You're okay. just adding enough to where it, it gives it free nutrients that that can be um, – you want free nitrogen, more or less, that would be in grain, but it's not in pure sugars. So you can use that. You can use molasses if you want to make something that's similar to a rum. You can use molasses to distill any way that you would normally make a product that is is distilled in a legal distillery. You can make that distillery or make that distilled product 
illegally and it's moonshine. But typically you're going to find the corn mashes and the uh, that are very similar to bourbon and your um, tomato paste sugar washes are going to be your your main ones. So in in home distilling more than in um, you're distilling out in the woods, you're going to find that you do have access to a few options, such as electric kettles. Um, you can get column stills for the home distiller. You can get pot stills for the home distiller and some combos there. Typically, when you're out in the woods distilling, those original stills are built off of a three-vessel method or a three three-step method more than anything else. You've got number one, the the pot where you're going to actually add heat, boil what you've got in there, and start the distillation process off there. It's going to travel through copper tubing or some sort of tubing over into a secondary vessel called the thump keg. Um, the thump keg will have, sometimes it's it's just a water product in there. Some people will actually add in old whiskey um, or old liquor into that. And it's a secondary distillation process. So your thump keg gets hot vapors that are sent over into it. Um, but you also may get some what's called puking. Um, and so the puking will be when you get too vigorous of a boil and it will send over the chunky stuff as well, what oh, you don't no. want. The vapors. The vapors. So in the thump keg, you've got a, um, a basically a bowl. And then in the into the bowl, you've got an entry uh, I don't want to call it a hose because it's it's the pipe, an entry pipe into that that goes underneath the water or underneath the liquid and then will bubble up. And so the vapors of that liquor will interact with whatever's in there and kind of distill or try to get rid of some of the impurities. And then what vapors are still left over from the heat that's generated there, those will continue on out of the thump keg and on down to the worm. So the worm is a coil usually made of copper, although um, there are stainless steel coils out there. Copper is going to be the best version because copper and liquor interacting together, or copper and this vapor interacting together actually helps to clean it up a little bit. The copper will clean the liquor. Um, mm. And so that's why it's good to have copper specifically because the interactions that they have will help clean it up and get rid of some of the sulfur compounds. Um, so inside that coil, you will have um, the vapor, and on the outside, you essentially should have coldest water that you can get. Um, so the colder, the better. That's why they, when moonshiners set up, they need to set up in the summer or really in the spring and fall. Those are your two big seasons, but the spring is really nice because you have cold water. And when you're making cold or when you're, you've got enough heat from the air to get the fermentation going, um, and then cold water to help cool that vapor. Uh, that's the perfect situation. So really you don't see moonshiners distilling in the dead of winter because it's just too cold for their fermentations to kick off and go. Um, in the heat of summer, it, it, their water's really too hot to get a whole lot of good separation, but you can still do it. It's just a different process. You've got to really work at it. Um, let's see. So when they get all that off, they're going to either package it directly into a large vessel. Glass is typically going to be your best bet in this situation, although ceramic will work as well. Um, plastic and liquor can be put together, but you don't want to put high-proof liquor into plastic. Um, not the plastics that are typically used, like milk jugs. Um, those are going to be the, the kind of the big ones. Most will 
proof it down until it gets to 80 proof. So 40% alcohol is going to be your typical moonshine that you get coming off the mountain. It may taste hotter because the head and tail cuts are not necessarily exactly where most craft distillers will be making head and tail cuts. And the lack of maturation times on these really leaves it hot. So you're getting it fresh, but fresh means hot. So your, your liquor is going to be pretty potent whenever it comes out to you. Um, you can find some distillers that make like a special distiller special run or something like, or this is the good batch that they may actually proof up a little bit higher and give it out at, at, you know, a little bit higher proof. But what you're getting coming off the run is probably in the 160 to 180 proof range, somewhere in there. And then they're watering it back down with Creek water or whatever water they really have available to try to mix it in, to get it the right, the right alcohol <laughs> content. Um, yeah, just hoping so, nobody's straight piping in that creek. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like a lot of these distillers, will find creeks that are are you know the the romantic side of things. Says, oh, they're finding this crystal clear, clear stream, or they're finding some sort of <laughs> spring that comes out of the mountain. But what I mean, the reality of it is, they're out in the middle of nowhere. They're really just concerned about getting away from people, so they're not found. So whatever stream there is would would work which in theory generally not a whole lot of other people using that using that that water source yep, they're out the, away from everything else just the horses upstream or whatever <laughs> right so um and you know when you mix it in and you got a 40 percent alcohol beverage it's probably going to be okay there's not going to be any dysentery um in 40 percent don't, don't have to worry about that. cholera yeah the Oregon Trail is safe with moonshine. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's, uh, for all purposes, that's pretty much the extent of making moonshine. It's not a very intensive process. It's not a very um, difficult process. My um, my grandfather got a third grade education. Like, he dropped out of school, went to the mines, and third, or, yeah, grandfather, third grade. He knew how to make moonshine, though. He knew the process. <laughs> He found out one day that I was uh, home brewing beer, and uh, this is a guy who's an old regular was an old regular Baptist, like attended every week. But you know what? Whenever he heard that, he started talking about the way he built his mash and all these other things. <laughs> it's like, like, oh no, we can talk shop finally. I've been waiting for this <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, he's like, uh, he wouldn't touch the stuff or have it in his house ever again. But he certainly was having a nostalgic moment talking about it. <laughs> He finally like, boy, you just got interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about you. I didn't know anything about musical theater, but <laughs> let's talk. <shop. laughs> but now, now we have some common ground. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's, I, oh. I guess. Oh, more? Well, not necessarily more on that, but one thing I do, when you're reading all the, the books online and everything that are trying to teach you how to distill, number one, it's illegal. First off, for you to, to distill in the U.S., um, there is no no limitation on. I hear the, the wives tells, "Oh, you can do personal use, or you can do enough for this and that." No, no, that there is no <laughs> legal amount of homemade liquor that is allowed in the U.S. New Zealand is a different story. So a lot of your resources for Ki Kiwis know what's up. Yep, a lot of your resources for knowing how to distill or learning distilling come from New Zealand. And they're the ones that have really driven this craft home distilling um, resurgence. I, I now am just thinking about the idea of Kiwi moonshine in uh, in honor <laughs> of the New Zealanders. I'm not saying it'll be good. 
I'm just saying it's oh, yeah. what I thought of. I was gonna say, yeah. isn't kiwi one of those things? It's like strawberry. You have to mix. You like you have to put something with it. Yeah, <laughs> like before, strawberries. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> kiwi when strawberry. Build, when you put kiwi, two things that taste like nothing together, you, they taste great. Um, I had a kiwi strawberry Capri Sun yesterday. <laughs> uh, so the other thing though is you're going to see in a lot sun. of these. Yes, you're going to see a lot of these things that say. Uh, at this temperature or at that temperature and that it, it's all well and good because it's a it's a general rule of thumb but it's not a fast hard rule you may look at your your still and you're up to uh, 208 degrees or 206 degrees and you're not getting anything out number one check and make sure everything's connected properly because you know you don't want any any blockages in there but at the same time it may very well be that you've just got your thermometer in a different place. It's it's not reading correctly, um, or because water and liquor form a azeotropic bond. I think is the name. Um, they the boiling point changes from time to time. So even the the amount of alcohol that's in your wash will matter at what point you'll start getting alcohol out of that still. So the more alcohol, the lower your boiling point will be. So just one thing to kind of keep an eye on. You don't necessarily go on temperature. You you just have to do it and then learn how to to feel for it. Shannon's more more uh, art than science. <laughs> really, like yeah, there's a lot of like science behind it, but the people that learned it didn't learn. Oh, use your hydrometer here. They learned it takes a pound per gallon to make this much liquor. Um, they or learned, whatever. You know what? If I put a floaty stick in here, I can figure out about how. Yeah. So a lot of your your distillers now are definitely using that, but a lot of it is just still pass down taste and and learn how to smell it and so go from there. Another kind of old tale about moonshining is the uh, reading the bead. Is that just complete BS? No, it's uh, you have you've got to be good. You're not going to. I mean, I don't think somebody's going to get within five proof points of of getting the right answer but you can definitely tell when you're shaking it okay this is high proof or this is water and it all just has to do with how how well the the meniscus of the or the the surface tension of the water is there and so water's definitely got a surface tension to it and so you're not going to get you're going to get small bubbles that get clouded up and they'll stay small bubbles it's like who's gonna go there first <laughs> but if you if you shake it and you've got big bubbles that pop quickly and it doesn't cloud up very well and it's dissipated very quickly you know that that's going to be a good quality high proof moonshine you can tell crap from this is probably good to wow i'm not I'm not going to taste this because it's too high by looking at the bubbles, but I don't like, there may be some old timers that can tell it that, Oh, this is about 80 proof or this is about a hundred proof, but typically it's going to be looking at the, the quality of it. You right. Drop a little bit of soap in there and you screw everything up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I can't tell at all. Look, I've got, so this episode, I learned a lot more than I thought I was going to. That's just to be upfront. Like I, I didn't think that I was like, Oh, you know, we grew up in the mountains and you know, Eastern Kentucky, we grew up with this. And it's like, yeah, we did, but there was a lot behind it. I didn't know. Got the, like the Bane thing from dark Knight, and like 
It wasn't Dark Knight. That Batman series. Ooh. Like I I I grew up in the dark. Oh, like, Dark Knight oh. Rises. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You made it. Really adopted the darkness. I was born to it. Yes. Molded by it. Have you seen the new Bat? Well, I don't know if it's new. I don't think it's new, actually. The new uh, the Batman podcast? No. There's a Batman true crime podcast. Of course there is. I'm on board for <laughs> this. Is it like exploring like fake crimes from the villains? So, Bruce Wayne... Um, father and mother still alive. Um, <laughs> if, if, if Thomas and Martha Wayne hadn't been shot in an alley, he just became Bruce a... Wayne would be doing a true, true crime podcast. He is a, uh, forensic pathologist and it's a podcast that basically follows him and the, um, the, pro this, this serial killer more or less. Uh, it's <laughs> called Batman Unburied, I think, um. Uh, oh. And, but it's on Spotify. It's on, you know, I'm subscribing to this right now. <laughs> and they're 30 minute episodes. There's multiples, but uh, I'm on episode three and I'm really enjoying it. Huh. Done in the old timey radio style where there's sound effects and, yeah. and, you know, people, people having their conversations and whatnot. All right. That's amazing. All, All right. right. I'm going to look for this later. Yeah. I'm subscribing to this. I'm that. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's moonshine in a nutshell, essentially. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and find out what we're drinking. Sparkling Muscatel, one of the <laughs> finest wines of Idaho. Or would you taste it for us, please? <laughs> we had discussed doing this, and I'd forgotten about it until you hit the sound. I was like, wait, what's this? I know that voice. Oh, you missed some of it, too. <laughs> like it better be for 95 cents she's like hmm the whole thing that's all radio I was like I wish like I know it'd be terribly inappropriate but if we could just have like an entire two and a half minute <laughs> clip play for a sounder like that's what I want because that whole that whole scene that whole bit is 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 gold it but is. There's even the visual gag of Steve Martin in the little tiny shorts. I was like, why is he in the shorts? What's happening? <laughs> Cracking the, the, it's a, a, peeling a, the foil a bottle off cap of champagne. It's like, like smell the cap. Oh my God. He's peeling the foil off and, and Piggy's like, mm, so sophisticated. And Kermit's like, mm, suave. <laughs> they, like, it's not even on a keychain. <laughs> the bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, would you like to smell the cap? Cap, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, God, that's so, old uh, Muppets. Oh God, look, the, the Muppets are always comedy gold. Uh, especially that first Muppet movie. I That thing is, is fantastic start to finish. What are you guys drinking? Uh, gifts from you. Baba Yaga! So we started with the Banana Fosters Baba Yaga, which was just oh. amazing. Oh, my God. It's so good. It really is. Like, it, we were talking pre-show about it. It's it's not like all these other huge pastry stouts and desserty stouts. It's not overly sweet. Don't get me wrong. It's sweet, but appropriately sweet. It's not like, here's a shitload of lactose in your face. It's just, it's Thanks. a nice... I don't know how to say it. It is that like caramelized, you know, bananas foster sweet. 
It, yeah. The last the last gulp I took of it, it was it was like liquid banana in the bottom <laughs> of that thing. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, how did you get that much banana in there? And I think I heard someone that worked is like, so much banana. <laughs> yeah. That thing is just crammed with it. It's like, oh, well, all right. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, but like, are, not it doesn't taste like artificial banana in any way. I think yeah. you've got the bottle. What are the what are the yeah, deets? Held up the, uh, so, did you, know, did you know artificial banana is actually what the, real bananas tasted like eighty years ago? Yeah, yeah. We've we've destroyed bananas. It's one of those. Uh, I'll never get over the what was who was it that held up a banana to say, like, to prove evolution wrong and to be like, God made the banana and just like this. And it's like, no, that's like the most, like, mankind uh, has... Cameron, dis- I think. Yeah, and it's like, no, mankind has destroyed the banana. You, you could have picked any other any other. Yeah. It's like there, picking really. the carrot and it's like, actually, yeah. those used to be purple. And <laughs> it's smaller. like, my dude, as a species, we've ruined this thing. I say, if it says anything, when we went to Trader Joe's today, they have... Uh, plum cots and apriums, which are apricots and plums to com- genetically combined. <laughs> Cross pollination. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm picturing an apricot and a plum doing the fusion dance from Dragon Ball Z, just going phew. <laughs> ja- I like I like plum cots. I've not had an apricum. But Ugh. I was like, it sounds like the same. Such a bad name. Look, it, it really is. If a- I had, well, no, no, it's Aprium. Like, okay, not like, almost like Atrium. But yeah. if I hadn't <laughs> seen them in person, I would just picture a purple nut sack. <laughs> That's the plum cot. <laughs> That's the Apricum. <laughs> Mighty Teddy Whitey, I'm smuggling plum cots. Mighty Teddy Whitey, I'm smuggling Apricums. I may have plum cuts in there right now, actually. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we did the Bananas Foster, uh, Baba Yaga, and followed it up with the Mexican coffee, which I'm digging. The coffee's still kicking. It was like halfway through the glass before I started getting the like Mexican spice, but now it's getting a little overpowering. (laughs) It's like the coffee has started to, you know, halfway down. I'm not getting as much of the coffee. I'm getting more spice. Comparing it to like... Because of like, you know, Mexican style things with chocolate or whatever, I I I automatically want to compare it to um stones. Um Chocobesa. Um but it so like comparing it to that, I feel like the pepper is or the that pepper taste is not as pronounced. But to me that's a good thing. (laughs) It's like, oh, it's there. Look at that. (laughs) But not like, oh god, my throat. We've been looking at some new flavors, and I, I've got a beer that um, is brewed, was brewed today um, and should be in the, out in the next couple of weeks. But using flavors instead of just your standard, you know, adding ingredients like we normally would do, the flavor company that we've got um, has some really cool options. And so the one that we've got coming out next is a banana nut bread. Yes. Oh, I'm here for I'm this. Putting it, putting it in a brown ale. Reminds. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. oh. oh. So a little bit <laughs> of that caramel. Now. Yep. Oh, and that's. So. Oh yeah, I like that. 
a lot of it's just natural flavor, but at the same time, I'm completely okay if it's Which, if it's banana nut bread. There's not a whole lot of ways does, I can get banana nut bread into a beer. It does remind me though that I need to. Uh, I don't think you guys have had my mother's banana nut bread. Ooh, don't think no. we have. It's it's real good. Next time she makes, I'm going to try to see if I can uh, uh, arrange that for like a trip for you guys, like because it's it's real good. Oh. Beyond that. Well, uh, I also was not drinking to style, although I, you went for like a, 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 you know, a bourbon barrel aged. Kissed you know, by the beer. style. Uh, I went with Evan Williams bottle and bond. So <laughs> All right. a little closer. Because you're like me and you like your moonshine to have seen Oak at some point in its life. <laughs> That's in fairness, yes. Uh, Wrong. Drinking actual, you know, drinking actual moonshine is a lot of, whoo, uh, yeah. uh, stings the nostrils. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, you know, barreling gets you some, some, you know, gets you into flavor country. Uh, <laughs> and you know, we've talked about this a bunch. I, I, you know, this is one of my go-to, like. Just around the house drinking whiskeys. Probably says something about me that my round the house drinking whiskey is a hundred proof, but here we are. I like flavor. <laughs> I like flavor country. Uh well and also like, you know, Casey ruined us. He got us all to start drinking bottle and bond, and if I go below it now, I'm like mm. it's watery. Now he needs you're a kick. slumming it if you may as yeah. well be drinking Irish whiskey. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Which is fine, but after you've just had an Iowa, you... you're just like, uh... you know, I don't gravitate towards it as much as I used to because scotch exists. And... <laughs> yeah. uh, but Irish whiskey, when you when you want to want something to kind of, you know, ease off, get ready to go to bed, that's fine. Not going like to not going to burn the tongue when you've got church in the morning. <laughs> when you got <laughs> you got church in a few hours, you know, that's the time for. Uh, no, but no, uh, Evan Williams bottle and bond. It's, it's still a pretty solid budget, you know, budget whiskey for me. Like it's probably still a little pricier than it should be, but. Oh, don't get me started on what's happening to all the like affordable, good whiskeys. Like this is take our show. It's been a while since I've had to buy buy a bottle. So who knows what it's costing right now? Take a, take a bottle of what used to be our cheap go-tos from four years ago. And the prices have damn near doubled. Yeah. Oh well. Well, Bob. Yes. I think our drinks of the day were potentially cellmates. <laughs> um, both made by Heaven Hill Distillery. Mm-hmm. Um, both four years old. <laughs> um, they sit beside each other on the Heaven Hill website, and. Uh, the mash bill, however, is a little bit different. So I'm having mellow corn bottled in bond. 100% corn. <laughs> 80% corn. Uh, the rest is probably going to be barley, if I were to guess on that one. Um, but to be a corn corn liquor, a uh, bottled in bond corn liquor, uh, you know, I think it's at least got to be 50% corn, which is like bourbon. But you bump that up even higher, and you've got all corn in there, and it's it's sweet. So uh, they do not age it in a 
new oak barrel, however, it is a used bourbon barrel. So it gets a second mm-hmm. run, giving it a lighter color, a little bit lighter oak flavor in there. Um, that is, yeah, I mean, it's a, I, it's a good, delicious whiskey. What's the, um, I don't know if you remember, you remember this, Casey, but we were there at one point. And again, this could have been whenever, and you were making mixed drinks because, yeah. And there was a thing that we tasted, and I was like, this is marshmallow corn. And I don't remember what it is. And it makes me think of like. That could have been anything. Moonshine. But, yeah. Might have been moonshine. Um, <laughs> it very well may have been. Could have been moon. That fell off a truck and into Casey's house. He. he don't doesn't know how it got there. That's right. Um, I don't know, but I do remember you say marshmallow corn, but I can't remember what it was. I have no memory of this. Of course, we do. We tend to drink a lot when we're at Casey's. So that's how you no do. Of this place. We bring we bring alcohol. Casey has alcohol. It's just all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> we pace ourselves. Yes, somewhat. Lots of water. All right. So that's that's moonshine. It is. I, I learned a lot this episode, I have to say. Woo. Uh, yeah. You know who, who taught us a lot of in today's episode? Oh, Chris. No, I believe it's a blind man at an orgy. I was going to say, who's going to Ron Burgundy this one? But okay. <laughs> <laughs> Had to fill things through. <sighs> <sighs> Yeah, uh, using sources from uh, howtomoonshine.co. Uh, <laughs> it's not series. a cutoff, it, it was just .co. .co. That's, that's a right. thing, I mean. Yeah, it is. That's why I was like, okay. Uh, uh, Sirius Eats, uh, with the history of women NASCAR illegal whiskey distilling. Sorry, I'm just like, like the more I read that. It was a very like, interesting. <laughs> I'm like, that. that is an article. Uh, moonshineuniversity.com and uh, Casey. Because <laughs> look, I was worried about legalities of being like, here's how moonshine's made. Take your notes so you can make your own. I'm like, I don't need, we don't need to have any. We don't need that right now. <laughs> Listen, you know it's illegal. You do what you want to do, but you got to face the consequences if you get in trouble. We do not. We are not telling you to do this. We do not, not condone. That was not a how-to section. That was just historically how it's been done. There you go. You're saying, like, if you build something that resembles a bomb, that's not on us. That's just, we were just telling you. What? what Where do. are you taking this? I'm just saying that, like, it's it sounds like something along the same lines. Of like, we're not telling you to make this horrible thing. We're just saying, like, people did it. This may this is how they did it. <laughs> you know, whenever I was little, uh, let me let me rephrase little. Whenever I was in high school, you could buy the anarchist cookbook oh, yeah, at yeah. our local bookstore. Yep. But now you go and download that thing and you're on some FBI watch list. I mean, you could still go buy a paper copy of it somewhere. <laughs> Pay cash and you won't be on a watch list. Well, there you go. I don't know who carries it anymore. I'd probably Kroger. I mean, it's not <laughs> like it was. It was just a book. I mean, that's 
right but it, i mean that was where you like you could learn how to make bombs and stuff like that you didn't make like bomb bombs out of it like that was the you made fun little things for like blowing up small things in your backyard <laughs> think anything that blows up the FBI or the ATF is going to be interested in. Uh, I mean, I'm also things... interested in them because bombs are fun. <laughs> Sometimes you things... have stumps that need removed. I mean, there are things that I look at on the news and, you know, they're saying, oh, this person got arrested. They're so horrible and all this. And I'm like, my uncle was showing me that whenever I was in, you know, fifth grade. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, different world, different times. But you know what else? You can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com or follow us on Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. Don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. Use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com uh, or the feedback page on the website. Um, you can uh, take uh, two cans deliver one end of the can to us, put some string to it, get the other can, and then shout through that. I'm, it's going to be terrible audio quality. I'm probably actually not going to understand what you're saying, but some kind of feedback could get to us that way. We'll get the gist of the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, all joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly and don't, don't moonshine. <laughs> Say no to moonshine. Uh, yes. No, I said don't make it. Don't right, make right, it. Right. Yes. If it happens Say to come yes. across, if you yeah, if you run into it, like, you're doing you're, you're doing your civic duty and getting rid of an illegal substance. You're removing it from the market. Exactly. It's appropriate. All right. Well, <laughs> you can check us out in another couple of weeks for the next uh, episode, and please remember to check out Patreon.com/slash Have a Drink Show and Have a Drink Store.com, which has now been updated. Uh, <gasps> the winter stuff has been deactivated until next winter. Until it's still two months happen again. Uh, And then also we have brand new stickers and other, uh, some other things with some of the new designs and more will be coming soon. So um, it is at least updated now. Hooray. So, um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, So once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We shall see you next time. Bye. Bye guys. This podcast is not an endorsement to make moonshot. Please consult the laws and regulations. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> so, I don't know if anyone has heard it, but Audible changed their thing, and it's no longer that classic. Oh, that's not cool at all. Yeah. I've heard, uh, I think I've heard like there's a book I'd gotten at some point where someone else did the thing. I was like, no, it's they, not right. <laughs> Before they they were just playing, it was like the old grainy, like you yeah. could tell. It, it was just comforting to hear it at the end of a book. And it's, yeah. I got one of the new uh, Discworld books, which don't get me started on things they've changed. It's kind of grating. It's going to take some getting used to, but I want to hear these, you know, the new audio versions. But it it got to the end, and it, that was like, no, no, that's not right. I need the audible hopes you've enjoyed this program. Yeah, and yeah. you can hear the like hiss of the room behind <laughs> them, and 
Like yeah. gramophone or something. Yeah. <laughs> and now this is all cut and clear, and it's not that dude. And I'm like, no, it's not. No. Stop it. Back in my day. <laughs> I mean, that's where we're at now. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, on that tangent, they've ruined. I'm going to say they've ruined. We grew up with death in the Discworld books sounding very, like, sarcastic and straight-faced. Mm-hmm. And now they've tried, like, it's... They're trying uh, to put emotion to him? They tried to make him menacing. No. I'm trying He's to not meant the, to be menacing. He's Peter just Serafinowitz. Uh, he was... Dude from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, he was the roommate <laughs> in Shaun of the Dead. That's all. And that's the one a, thing I remember him. He's one of the Nova Corps and Guardians oh, yeah, of the yeah. Galaxy, and he's popped up in one of the, But he is Death, and he plays it very much like this. And I'm like, no, he's supposed to be like a straight man in the room, which is what makes yeah. it so funny. <laughs> so I suppose. Like, do you believe in reincarnation? Uh, yeah. So I believe that does that mean you will be. Bjorn again. <laughs> Quite possibly. There was not anything you found humorous in that statement. No. Meant I'll to let be, you know if I find something, though. Meant to be a pune. Or a play on words. <sighs> oh, well. So, I don't know if you saw, but uh, the... Uh, not autobiography because that's already out. Uh, slip of the slip of the keyboard, but um, the biography of Terry Pratchett mm. is no, getting ready to roll out. I had not seen. It's uh, written by his assistant, hmm. and uh, I guess the proof copies have already gone out, and the reviews are: you better have a box of tissues near. Mm. And so I'm like, I, no, I, I can't. I, uh, it's like, damn it, I'm just going to have to do it, and I'm just going to cry my eyes out the whole time. God. <laughs> I still love those sections of, like, uh, the, the anniversary editions of Good Omens where they talk about, like, them writing the book together. And uh, Neil Gaiman's, you know, description of, like, Terry Pratchett, he was like, at one point, like, Terry's a very angry man. You don't get to be as funny as he is without being angry about just everything uh, like that's fair that's uh, oh, so for the new Discworld book or new recordings I will say I'm just now for the first time ever so I can't base it off the old one going through uh, Small Gods oh okay yeah that is a uh, there's a lot of anger for religion in that book yeah yeah there is uh, my favorite <laughs> That's but it's it. so funny. If you don't know the premise, it's that uh, a big overly, I don't know how to say it, like overly structured religion and their god has been, is for whatever reason, a turtle that has been flung into a garden and only like the lowest member of this church can hear it. Because he's the only actual believer in him. Yeah, he, he's the only actual believer of all of them. And so everyone else just thinks he's insane because he's just like the, the turtle is <laughs> the thing that the things that the God is saying to him. Uh, 
That said, uh, I, one of my favorite Terry Pratchett quotes to this day is still uh, <laughs> his idea of morality, which was, you know, at least in terms of deities, like, you know, there's the philosopher who had said, maybe the gods exist, maybe they don't. Why don't we live a nice, mor- you know, moral life and be kind to one another uh, on, uh, and pretend like they do? Because in the word, on the off chance that we're wrong, uh, uh, if we are correct, we will die and go to go to heaven. If we are wrong, then we've all just been kind and polite to one another. Mm. Uh, so, and then when he died, this philosopher died. He woke up surrounded by a bunch of deities, wearing carrying nasty looking sticks, saying. We're gonna show you what we think about Mr. Clever Dicks in these parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I gotta say, uh, the new version of Small Gods is read by uh, Gollum. So. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Andy Circus. Yeah, and it's he he brings it. I will say, like some oh. of the other readers in it uh, are, you're like, feels like you're phoning it in. Like you were just like, yeah, I'll do it, and you're just cashing the check. Andy Serkis, no, bringing it 110%. That's what he does. Like Peter Jackson's directing this thing <laughs> on the other side. Well, like, I, like I said before, Gene Hackman can do a lot, but just by coasting, Andy Serkis does not understand what coasting is. Nope. He only knows you get 110% Andy Serkis. He's like, um, what's his butt? Also steroids. <laughs> yeah, there's no way he, he got Ulysses Claw level. Of, Checked uh, yeah. at, at his age. <laughs> I just lost that guy, Michael Caine. He's like Michael Caine in Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh okay, well, yeah. <laughs> that's a right. different. That's a different level of energy. They're like, no, you're doing a Christmas Carol with Muppets. He's like, I'm playing this thing as serious as a fucking heart attack. <laughs> like Shakespeare, got it. <laughs> you have to. That makes everything else better. <laughs> I still love the idea that someone brought up since. Um, what was it since? Um, Pride and Prejudice uh, has, is in public domain. And they're like, no, I need that as Muppets. <laughs> and the, they're like, there's How one. How has that not happened? Though? They're like, no, yeah. there's one person in it. And it has to be uh, flipping what's his name that he always like over-sexualizes on last week tonight. John Oliver? Yeah, Adam Driver. Oh. Adam Driver. Oh, like, Adam, Driver. Adam Driver yes. is Mr. Darcy, and he plays this thing straight-faced as serious and he as would, a is fucking heart attack. And everyone else in it is Muppets. <laughs> There's like, I the, need that, and I need it now. <laughs> I will say, uh, 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 the Elizabeth's father in Pride and Prejudice would play uh, very well as a Muppet, as he is generally <laughs> just out of, he does not care anymore. Uh, just sitting back, like he he is he is one he is both old he is both Waldorf and Statler. <laughs> yeah, just sitting through that whole thing, going, man, I don't fucking care. <laughs> you just have to splice it, and because it, it has to be the two of them, so you break the character, like you know the Marleys. <laughs> just no, same. Just place one character, but like you, the, you, like the, the camera Muppets. moves away, comes back, different Muppet. <laughs> no, because you got to have both of them to play off each other. Yeah, <laughs> or. They're, they're still like we're both your father. Never How? explain it. Just don't. <laughs> it's not important. It's just <laughs> don't question. Uh, it. So we've been showing Emmett uh, 
more videos from Disney World to try and get him excited. I'm showing him stuff of uh, Muppet Vision. And he got excited, nice. and I'm like, yes. Well, he got excited in that he knew who they, they were, you know? Um, I'm How still, much Muppets still, has I, Emmett seen? I don't have a lot of hope. He's seen uh, Muppet Babies. Because right, he, it's, yeah. he doesn't do, he refuses, in fact, to do live action stuff. He'll <laughs> He'll get excited for Sesame Street. I am now very encouraged. So forever, even kind of to this day, the thing that gets him wanting to watch Sesame Street is when he sees a picture of Elmo. As soon as you start Sesame Street, he wants Grover. He's <laughs> well, like, all he wants is Grover. Even when Elmo gets on there, he's like, no, nah. he's like, where's Grover? <laughs> well, and I think because the monster uh, at the end of the book thing that they did. Someone in uh, someone in chat said, uh, uh, <laughs> I want to see Breaking Bad with Gonzo and Animal. Yeah, no, that one. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Breaking Bad with Muppets. I want that. So, okay. Would it be Animal, though? How would you? So, no. Who would you do it with? Because you have to have, like, one straight-faced. <sighs> it's it's Sam the Eagle and either Gonzo or Animal. But who do you, do you have both of them? <gasps> or no, do you just have it's Brian just, Beaker? No, it's just, it, yeah, it's just Bunsen, Bunsen and Honeydew and Beaker. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just going rogue. Just, I was yeah. going to say, no, do you have it as, like, one of them, and you have Brian Cranston come in and do it again, straight-faced and serious as a heart attack, and the rest are Muppets? <laughs> Brian Cranston would be 100% down for that. Yeah, I, I mean... Who would be Saul Goodman? Uh, Gonzo. Saul Goodman is either... Gonzo, uh, uh, Gonzo is my, Saul Goodman. My, there is Gonzo. Sam the Eagle is the cop. That's a good call. Oh, yeah. Uh, he uh, he's the uh... for Gonzo. Gonzo is the more recognizable person for uh, uh, more recognizable Muppet for uh, for Saul Goodman. However, one of my first thoughts was uh, one of two characters: uh, the fish thrower or uh, the Bolshevik Muppet that blows stuff stuff up. Okay, you know that would be a good one too, because <laughs> he's even got the like horrible hair. Okay, uh, but because like, <laughs> I'm just picturing like him to like. Oh, welcome to my law office. Just throws fish at him. Or what? Okay. Explaining, explaining money laundering while throwing fish and getting a pedicure. <laughs> uh, Possibilities. But I also do. Bozzy is Saul. No, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Because it's just ridiculous enough. Oh God! Uh, yep, that's it. It's just. <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, you missed the actual like we're in post show now, and you missed our actual like moonshine talk. It's, it's fine though. That's came in guns blazing with a uh, yeah, recasting uh, modern recasting modern. Uh, oh, uh, we do. Okay, this this doesn't relate at all. Just. Mm-hmm. Because because Muppet versions of yeah I mean gritty crime I don't know what I'm relating does. that to, uh but because because pop culture modern things videos it's going it's going there uh did anyone else watch the Wakanda Forever trailer the world yes. has watched it what are you talking okay, I'm about? just you don't know Casey hadn't he my just boss said hadn't seen it it is you have to watch it even if you don't care about the Black Panther movies. Because it is a master class on how to build hype. You know, I 
considering how most of the trailers tend to go for some of that, I don't think I could tell you the entire plot of the movie right off that, the bat. Yeah, that's the best. That, like they I get you am jacked fine. for this movie, and you can't. And when it's done, you're like, I couldn't tell you shit about what that movie's going to be about. You're like, I know there's going to be like, I know I'm some, watching it. There's going to be fish people, and there's going to be panther people, and I don't know. <laughs> It's going to be really sad, and you need to bring some tissues. He's like, I'm going to need to bring tissues, and I'm going to have to be ready for some shit to go down. <laughs> oh, that trailer is so good. That trailer itself needs to win an award. Didn't, didn't getting, the person who played Shuri become problematic, and they were talking about... They got her in line because she was, okay. like, massive anti-masker and anti-vaxxer. That's, that's yeah. what it was. I couldn't remember, like, there was something, like like... People were upset with her. I was like, I don't remember why. Because they couldn't film the movie because she refused to get vaccinated or wear a mask on set. And I think they basically, like, Disney just came down with, like, look, do you want the Disney money? <laughs> and I guess, like, she eventually was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, she uh, she said, yeah, I'm in Mouskowitz, so give me <laughs> give me that money and let's let's get the, get the cameras rolling. But anyway, yeah, I loved the... I can't even with the trailer. Like I, ugh. Uh, I'm I'm excited for it, but I'm more excited for what. Yeah, we had all the Comic Con stuff, hmm. but we've got D23 next month, and that's when they're really gonna like pull out the stops and be like, "Here's what's really coming," and here's like, here are the trailers for everybody that we showed at Comic Con. And you don't have to try and watch horrible, grainy cell phone footage. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about the trailer thing. Like, I guess I'm hoping that other things come soon because of, um, uh, Jesus. Because in, in the Wakanda Forever trailer, you see what's her butt that's going to be, um, Ironheart. Um, and like, do, like, you know, making the, the, stuff and everything she hammers out the heart of iron yeah and we all go it's iron heart <laughs> well yeah i mean well and it's the same character so <laughs> but, but uh, uh also from comic-con they didn't they removed that the armor wars series that she's supposed to star in from the lineup so everyone's going uh the hell <laughs> it's no longer scheduled yeah well <sighs> Either way, I'm right. excited for all the things, and I, I'm ex- also excited that the behind the scenes, the assembled series thing, is out for Miss Marvel now, and we got most of the way through it without Emmett like completely just shutting it down. Even though, thanks to Spidey and his amazing friends show on Disney Junior, he's very excited Spidey about and his amazing. The yeah, the, it has the intro. We were like, did were they not able to get uh, what's their pop group, um, Fallout Boy? You're like, oh. you're like Fallout Boy did this right, and if you look it up, you're like, no. You're like, but you feel like they told whoever wrote this sound like Fallout Boy. Either way, he knows because of Whole that show, cheaper. he yeah. is aware of Ms. Marvel, and he gets very because excited. she's in that show. He's like Ms. Marvel. Oh. And I'm like, okay, we'll work with that. Uh, still, my <laughs> my sole complaint for the show is we didn't get. I, yeah, they give you like a half version of it by the end of it, but I wanted like goofy. 
Oh, the embiggen. Goofy, sticky looking embiggen, like with just like goofy Reed Richards gangly thing, like <laughs> running through the streets. Like, I wanted that. I was here for that campiness. I think it's for the best that that wasn't a thing. <laughs> the boys People movie? The boys movie. I don't think it could fly. Uh,. <laughs> The boys it works need- better, I think, as a show because it's it's you get more time to deconstruct everything about it. Yeah, and where it's on Amazon, they can it can they can run that it can be as nasty as it needs to be. Like we get to see, you know, we get to see a man ripped in half after. <laughs> Let's not explain all of it. The termite you. sneezes because of cocaine inside of another man. <laughs> you wouldn't uh. see that in a movie. You get that on Amazon Prime. I don't want to know all this, you know. I don't watch it. And uh, you Too know, <laughs> we Carl Urban has to be free to say cunt as much as <laughs> he has to say it. It's it's not his character ever. It's just how much he says it. I do love Carl Urban though. <sighs> I'll watch any. I'll like give me more Carl Urban. God, but give me more Carl Urban as Judge Dredd. Oh yeah. Oh, we just watched, uh, well, okay, about half, I'd say. Apparently, it's like really freaking long. Oh, Lightyear. The Lightyear movie, because it's on Disney Plus now. Emmett couldn't get through it all, but... I don't, I mean, it's long. Because I I fully believe the thing now, it's like, no, Pixar, they were just looking for an excuse to deliver, like, an awesome sci-fi movie. It's really awesome so far, but it's just like, damn... Like when we po- when Doesn't we stopped it because we needed to go to bed or whatever, we were like, we are kind of just halfway through this. <laughs> like yeah, it's long. I'm like, mm, kids into Toy Story, they're not gonna sit through this. Yeah, it's oh, not yeah. made for them. No, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's made for me, and I've still yet to find the time to finish it because I want to finish it because I'm here for sci-fi. It right was really now. like otherwise it was really good. And I'm here to argue that they are still wrong on sandwiches. <laughs> Because in it, they they get meat sandwiches out of a vending machine, and it's it's just like the the all the innards of a sandwich With are one on piece the outside of, of one piece of bread. And that would be a bread sandwich. They're mocking Buzz because he's like, what's wrong with the sandwich? And then they're like, what, did you eat it like bread, meat, bread? They're like, wouldn't that be dry and just like dry your mouth out? Yeah, the one the one character is like that's too much too much bread. <laughs> new Predator. Right. I want the new, I want to watch the new Predator. I wish they'd gone with the original idea though. I wanted it to have been in Comanche. I know you can get a Comanche dub, but I would have rather it like have natively been in Comanche and I have to watch an English dub. Well, but I think we're 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 winding yeah, I down. Say, I. I'm probably going to need to hop off here. I am very tired. As more and Ditto. more people flood in, we're like, no, we're tired. <laughs> I mean, fair. <laughs> I've got to but... go pick up 2,000 pounds of sugar tomorrow. <laughs> For some mysterious reason, don't look at the title of this episode and make assumptions <laughs> about why Casey's going to pick up 2,000 pounds of sugar. Because cider, still... ciders are sweet. <laughs> I still can't believe they didn't even ask my name. <laughs> I, I told like, you why. They're I'm not just, at all surprised. They're like they don't want that trail. They Walmart. Didn't, they didn't even blink because they're like we've had a lot bigger orders, sir. 
you're just getting into the shine game is what they thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's like, I'm just they were getting... like, oh, he, he chuckles and goes, I'm just getting into the cider game. <laughs> All right. Oh. All right. Night, y'all. All right. Good night, peace. everybody. Love, peace, chicken grease. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. The stream All right. over. <laughs> stream is over. I'm okay. going to hop off here because I might try to find some some snack food and then. Are we hopping off too, or was it just into the stream? That's into the stream. Uh, do we have it? Uh, are we doing. Uh, so, since we can't do weekend after next, we're. Recording early, correct? Everyone can do that next week. That's what weekend. the schedule said, so that's what I was making plans for. <laughs> Bob like just it. follows the schedule. <laughs> Someone tells me we're doing something, I'm like, all right, I'll I'll make it work. I forgot I'm sorry uh, that came so quick, but like I have <laughs> doctor's appointments and things and we were trying to schedule time to go see Brittany's parents uh, for the holidays and Yeah, it's fine. Um I'll be in Get out of here, Cap. Um, I'll be in where Los Angeles, not next week, but the week after. Oh, so I just need to know some uh, L.A. breweries. Beers, yeah, beers I need to get. Uh, Firestone Walker, just just a briefcase <laughs> full of it. Um, well, I get one free check bag, and I'm only there for three days, so briefcase full of Firestone Walker. Bottle Logic is the one of the big ones out that way. Cool. I want to take a briefcase full of uh, our stuff to share with the rest of the team that's there. And then when I come back, bring. I don't know. I know Bottle I Logic has been the one in the past. They have a light bulb on their logo. Yep. I have seen that. All right. Um,. Bob, uh, I guess check about getting that day off. Yeah, and, and we should be, like I said, it should be fine. It's like a day. Yeah. Uh, we'll try so and get the reservation set. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'll talk to him on Monday. I talked to her on Monday about it, but I, I again, it's the second. So I mean, it is a no, Friday. It's, but it's not the second. It's, it's the ninth. Ninth. Oh, oh, I had my days wrong. It shouldn't be a problem at all. Uh. I was thinking for whatever reason it was it was September. You said you said September like second or something, but it's the ninth. Then then that's yeah, not, not a problem at all. The pickup will be uh, well. I'll probably try and schedule the bottle pickup to be on the tenth, but we'll go up on the ninth. Yeah. Alrighty, Casey. If you you have time and are wanting to go, road trip. I'll look at it. The great, um, the great Midwest beer run. Yeah. Um, if I do, I may have to come up the night before that way I can work from Cincinnati on that day. And that way, you know, I can, I'm technically working that day, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. So we'll see. <laughs> cool. All right. Everyone get to bed. All right. Charge. Sounds good. Good night, everybody. Bye. See you. Good night. Close the call and just see the, the cat butt. Yeah. <laughs> the gemmed cat anus.